1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and I am concluding our series today called Zephyr. Now, I've enjoyed this series because we've been emphasizing the wind of the Holy Spirit. You know, wind is, is a wonderful thing on a hot day. It, it, it's cool, it's refreshing, and, and it's especially refreshing when the wind of the Spirit blows in a lukewarm church. Wind has the ability to revive and refresh, and wind is like nature's way of actually replenishing. It carries seeds with it. I'm going to read verse it uh, so that new life can grow. Now, I want to read 1 Thessalonians 5. I'm going to read verse 19, 20, 21, and 22. And that's going to provide the bulk of our text this morning. And I, I want to read these and pray. This is what Paul wrote to the Thess- church at Thessalonia. He said in verse 19, do not quench the spirit. He said, do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast what is good and abstain from every form of evil. Let's pray. Father, this morning we just thank you for your goodness in our lives. And I pray this morning you give us ears to hear and eyes to see what the Spirit is saying to the church. I pray, Lord, you help me with this message. Help me speak it in truth and in life. And I pray it would bear fruit. I pray it would be like a sword that penetrates people's hearts today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Now, you know, one thing I hate doing is visiting the optometrist's office. I have worn glasses since about the first grade. And, you know, in those days, when I was about seven, that was 30 years ago, you know, you'd go sit down there and they would put a puff of air into your eyes. Anyone know what I'm talking about? And, you know, it hurt. And then they'd make you wear these funny, like, glasses so that your eyes could adjust and get through it. And that just drove me nuts. I don't want to go to the eye doctor after that. And the other problem with the eye doctor is it's boring. I mean, they're going to have you sit there, and they're going to pull down this lens machine, and they're going to click, 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 click. And they want to know if the first letter is more clear, or is the second letter more clear? You know what I'm talking about? Is the letter A better here on this side, or is it better here on this side? Click, 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 click. I mean, over and over again. I just... So if I've, I, I try to buy as many contacts as I can in bulk and not go back for a long time. <laughs> but you know what I have learned about the optometry office is it's a very good place to learn about discernment. Now, discernment is a need for visual clarity, uh, but it's also a need for spiritual clarity. And really kind of the prompting of my heart for this series is it's about uh, kind of priming the prompt for our revival nights. And I've been just teaching about things where the Spirit of God is moving. You know, we talked about prophetic ministry, Acts 21. Last week, we talked about fasting, Acts chapter 13. We had a great time fasting down here. I'm proud of y'all, man. We ran 20 people every night praying and seeking God. And on that fast, we had a number of breakthroughs. We had one woman's husband got a job that blessed him incredibly. Hey, you know what happened in the middle of a fast? My friend Nan, who hadn't been able to sing in five years, started singing. And if you know Nan, you know she likes to run around and sing. She called me. She says, I can sing. <laughs> she wasn't down fasting with us, but I'll take it. I believe that God was moving. And when you fast, breakthroughs happen. And today, I just felt like finishing out this series by highlighting one of my favorite subjects. It's really a passion of mine. And that is on the topic of discernment. And what I want to highlight are what I would call four principles of spiritual perception. Principles of perception. Now, there was a man named John Cassian who is really one of the foremost writers uh, on church history. And he said that discernment is the mother of all virtues. That's what he wrote about church history. It was A.W. Tozer who said discernment might be the most needed and yet most neglected 
gift in the church. And I found that to be true. I mean, discernment is such a powerful thing. Discernment is your ability to separate. It means to, to distinguish, to be able to uh, identify and, and differentiate. Because if, if you're just looking at the click, click, click lens machine, and you can't identify the difference between some of the letters, you have no discernment. It, it's, we're talking about something, though, that's more than just 2020 vision, more than just the ability to see clearly. What we're highlighting is the ability to sift between right from wrong and good from evil, which is so much more than just with first impressions. I mean, sometimes you have to weigh things out, prove them out, look at it, thoroughly examine it for discernment in your life to operate proficiently and effectively. And so I'm just going to walk through the passage here, and I want to highlight these principles of perception. I'm actually going to start back up in verse 14. So if we bump back up, here, here we are in 1 Thessalonians 5, 14, when Paul said this, he said, we exhort you, brethren, warn those that are unruly or rebellious, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with everybody, and see that no one renders evil for evil, but always pursue what is good for yourselves and for all. Now, when I read this verse, the thought that I had about discernment is that discernment is something that needs to be actively exercised in your life. It, you have to exercise it. That means it has to be applied. It's something that you have to practice through trial and error. You have to have that machine click a number of times before you can identify truth and or identify the right thing. In fact, the writer of Hebrews said it this way. He said that through reason of use, that's exercise. Through reason of use, your spiritual senses are exercised so you can discern between right from wrong. And exercise is one of those things that will strengthen your muscles. It strengthens you. It, 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 it's how you get stronger. It's through repetition and resistance training. And, and so when I read these verses, when I read verse 14, and, and, and he's talking about warning unruly people, comforting the faint-hearted, and being patient with people that you don't want to be patient with, what this requires is more than just social skills. This requires a certain measure of discernment. And really, it, 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 when you're kind of looking through the lens machine, if you want to be very discerning, you're going to have to look, first of all, through the lens of love in order for discernment to really fully operate. Because love is one of those things that isn't afraid to warn people who might be rebellious or getting off. Sometimes that's the greatest thing you can do in an act of love. It's like telling my kids, don't go rollerblading in the cul-de-sac <laughs> when you've not, when you have, without supervision. That's a warning. Uh, you know, love is something that will allow you to be patient with people. Isn't it amazing how love is so patient with one another? But to, to see that properly, you've got to be able to be discerning in it. You know, discernment not just does it exercise itself through love, it exercises itself in wisdom. Because wisdom kind of knows how to read the situation and handle the situation appropriately. You know, I think it's interesting, verse 14 starts out when he said, we want to exhort you. First of all, we exhort you. I found sometimes when you're dealing with some people, they need to be exhorted. They need a little rah-rah, pat in the back, you got this, come on. But you know, that doesn't work well with my wife. My wife needs exhortations that say, oh, yes, dear, listen, really, wow, I'm here for you. <laughs> That's called discernment. It's also called trial and error. <laughs> I've had to learn. You got to be discerning on how you exhort people. You got to be discerning on, you know, what situation is required there. Sometimes it's grace that's needed. Sometimes it's a rebuke that's needed. Sometimes it's patience that's needed with people. There's various ways 
for you to be discerning in situations. And the thing I've discovered about life is that there's always an opportunity for you to exercise discernment. You can be at Costco seeing some lady carrying out a 72-inch television and discern she might need help putting that in the car. <laughs> discernment, it's like so many areas that we could apply it to. It just has to be exercised, practice in your life. What I've discovered about exercising discernment is that as I mature in life, it, it, it's like my discernment matures as well. The older I get, the more I mature. You know, in the natural, they say that as you age, your eyesight diminishes, which is a problem because, you know, I just turned 41 last week. And I had a bunch of people all tell me, even the eye doctor, she said around 42, 43, it's like clockwork. You, you're probably going to have to have, you know, nearsighted glasses. And I started thinking, oh no, in Jesus' name, I'm happy with what I have. I don't want to go back to no more. As you mature, <laughs> but you know, the, the thing is different in the spirit realm. As you mature in the spirit realm, your eyesight actually is enhanced. It's not diminishing, it's actually increasing. You start seeing things from greater perspectives. This is one thing I appreciate about age and maturity, is I start to be able to see and read situations so much differently, with so much more clarity, with so much more understanding, and with spiritual eyes than I ever did when I was younger. And that's just the maturity of it. It's from exercising it. It's, it's, it's from practice. It's reason of use. Your spiritual senses become exercised. So when you look around, there's always an opportunity to be discerning in a situation. You have no reason to excuse why you can't exercise it. Exercise your discernment. That's the first principle we could highlight. Now let's highlight a second principle here. And I would love to read verse 16, 17, and 18, man. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. It's the will of God in Christ Jesus, and I've taught through that, but I want to highlight verse 19, 20, and 21. I want, to, I want to camp right here this morning. These are interesting verses. Do not quench the Spirit. That means don't snuff Him out because He's like a fire inside of you, and you don't want to stop Him from moving in your life or in a church or in, in, in situations. And along with that, He said, do not despise prophecies. But he said, test all things and hold fast what is good. Now, let me give you a second principle about discernment. And this is something that I find so brilliant about the Bible. And it's that discernment requires equilibrium. When I look at the steadfastness and the steadiness of the Bible, there is this beautiful balance that is laid out. There's a harmony. And when you look at these verses... What you see is this divine tension taking place. I mean, he said, don't limit the moving of God's spirit, but you ought to test it. You ought to find out if it's true or not. The Bible is an orderly book, and it's weighed out, and it's put together in this harmonious way, and the Bible makes the claim about itself that it is a balanced book. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 1, says that the Lord hates unjust scales. It's an abomination to him when things get out of balance. So God is a God of order. He's a God of balance, and he does everything in balance. I personally strive to have my life live with balance. Like, I'm trying to find balance in managing, you know, my, our children and, and, and the pace that's required for them. And, you know, we got them at Canyon Creek School across the street. So some mornings, Elizabeth and I drop them off, and then she's been coming down here 
to the church. He just started doing this and school started. And you know, one of the first things we did was we crafted a schedule for her. So we know what we're doing on certain days. And, and you know, that, that's how you provide balance. So there's no confusion. Everything is moving along. We have to have balance in the way we handle money and, and, and the way that we plan and, and, and do things. And, and man, I always try to find balance. I try to find balance in the ministry, especially in Bible teaching. You know, I remember one time I was at the hospital and I started talking to one of the nurses that was working there, registered nurse. And, and he, he said to me, oh, you're a pastor. So he said, do you teach the law or do you teach grace? And I said, uh, well, both. Uh, because to understand grace, you can't understand it without the law, knowing the law. <laughs> and he said, mm, uh, that, that's right. But for instance, think about what the Bible teaches. Romans chapter 1. And Romans is the greatest theological work in the scriptures. I mean, it, and it, it says, in it is the righteousness of God revealed. That's Romans 1.17. Romans 1.18 says the wrath of God is also revealed. So we have the righteousness of God and the wrath of God. It's like two sides of a coin. And that's what the scriptures are providing right here. This equilibrium, this, this beautiful divine balance. Now, here's what I have discovered about balance, though. Sometimes the pendulum has to swing a little too far in a direction that you're uncomfortable with in order for you to achieve balance. And that's because a lot of times balance or what you perceive to be balance is actually anemic. Like you're, you're really not moving. You've kind of settled in somewhere and you think you're balanced, but you're a little off balance. This is what happens. And, and it was Albert Einstein of all people, who said that life is like riding a bicycle. You have to keep it moving to go forward. And that means that to be discerning, you're going to have to keep moving forward. You're going to have to keep engaging in spiritual growth. Like, like you're going to have to grow in your own faith, and your own life, and your own walk with God. And as you're maturing and as you're growing, that is a place where you achieve balance and discernment becomes proficient in your eyes. It's through that process of growing and and think about life, it is, is all a part of growth. You know, the, the pH balance in soil is what helps plants grow and sustain life. If you've ever been out on like 80, 80th Street out here on the West End, 80th, 88th, you'll find patches where it's all white and there's no, nothing growing and that's because there's too much alkaline in the soil. A pH balance is the balance between alkaline and between acidity. And you have to have both of those to achieve growth. The growth is a moving forward. Discernment requires that you are growing, that you are evolving, that you are maturing, that you're feeding yourself a proper diet for you to be able to see clearly. It's sort of like the bird having two wings. Two wings of a bird is how you achieve balance. That's why we have a scripture and a verse to form doctrines. It says, let every word of God be established on the mouth of two or three witnesses. That's like those two wings of a bird. It keeps you moving in the right direction. And this is the place where the Pharisees missed it. They missed their moment. Jesus said that they did not discern their times. They were static. They were stuck. And these guys who were perceived to be the spiritual leaders among their people were in a place where they weren't, able to dis they weren't able to discern who Jesus was because they weren't moving forward in their own walk with God. 
See, without that growth, without moving forward, it's very hard for you to form truth, to see it, to actively see what's taking place. That's what the scriptures teach right here. That, that on one hand, you've got the moving of God's spirit and supernatural things taking place. On the other hand, he said you ought to test it, you ought to weigh it, you ought to measure it. There's your balance. And that is what honors God. That, that's how we grow in God. We, that's how we discover who he is. We're, we're moving in a relationship with him, and, and we're discerning and discovering right from wrong, good from evil, what, a, a balance this way or this way. You're just on that pendulum moving forward. That's discernment. Now, let's highlight a third thing. So discernment requires balance. I'm still camping in these verses. Don't quench the spirit. Don't despise prophecy. Look at verse 21. Test all things. Let's, let's highlight that. That word test actually means examine. Examine it, and if it's true, hold on to it. Prove it. So what we can see here is that discernment is something that demands examination. In other words, it has to be tested. It has to be measured. You ought to do your research. You ought to do a little homework with it. You, you ought to search it out in the scriptures. I, I'm amazed at what 1 John 4 said. 1 John 4, 1. He said, test the spirits. Don't believe every spirit. Not every spirit's of God. Many spirits have gone out into the world. He's talking about church settings. He's talking about the moving of the supernatural. And he's saying that you need to be testing and discerning. I'm just putting scripture with scripture. That's what it's teaching right here. Yeah. Test all things. Hold fast that which is true. The context right here, verses 19 through 22, have to do with things like prophecy and things like the moving of the spirit, supernatural endeavor, supernatural things. And real discernment, if you want to know the truth about it, the real place of discernment is that equal balance somewhere between the middle. Because I'll tell you what I've discovered in my years of church. There are more genuine manifestations of the Holy Spirit that take place than many evangelicals are willing to admit. And on the other hand, there are false manifestations of things that get off than some charismatics are willing to admit. And if you want to find the place of safety... It's in that balance. It's in that place of examining them, finding equilibrium. And I think it's kind of funny because, you know, we are a spiritual church and we embrace the moving of the spirit, but sometimes charismatics can be quite gullible. <laughs> it's like sometimes they won't even discover or research or look into something because their favorite internet preacher or prophet said something and without doing any due diligence, they don't look into it. I mean, I, I, you shouldn't even listen to what I'm saying without doing a little homework on your own. Did you know that? That's what scripture teaches. You, you ought to read up, study, research something, measure it. Now let's talk about measuring, like testing, it. test the spirits. It means examine it, take a look at it. What, what does it mean how to do that? You know, when I think about measuring the way that God moves, my go-to is always the Bible. I mean, the Bible is Jesus. That's what John wants it. It's the standard. So I want to know is the word someone gave me, or is the manifestation that I saw, is that scriptural? Does it line up with the Bible? Because, you know, you can get in some places and it gets like, you know, strange things might happen. Things that I call spooky. <laughs> People might see some spooky things taking place. Someone laying hands on somebody. And where's that in the Bible? Well, that, that's found in Hebrews 6 and 1 Timothy 5, and there's scriptural precedent for that. And, and, and so, 
you know, I can see that taking place, but, you know, I've seen moments sometimes where you might lay hands on somebody and they get what we call in charismatic circles slain in the spirit like they fall over. And that's where people start feeling like it's spooky. And where is that in the Bible? You know, I think about when Jesus was in the garden in Luke 8, in John 18, and they asked where he was. He said, I am he. And he knocked out a whole group of guards with what he said. It was like they just fell over because they couldn't withstand the power of the Lord. And when the glory of God showed up in the temple, people hit the floor. Now, I have been in meetings where, man, I feel the power of the Lord. Someone might pray for me. And, 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 and man, I just, it's like God touched me. I just couldn't, I couldn't even stand up in the presence of the Lord. I've had that happen. Beautiful moments with God. On the other hand, I've been to many meetings where it feels like you got to give a courtesy drop to somebody. Because <laughs> you don't feel something. <laughs> and I, I want to know, you know, it, how do I be discerning of, of is that God? Is he, is he really moving? I mean, these are things that my heart wants to know because I'm curious about these things. These are things in the scriptures. How are you going to identify it? You, you first of all have to line it up with the word of God. What does the Bible say about it? Just because the Bible may not say something about it, just be, it's, it doesn't make it unbiblical. or not, Just because it's not in the Bible doesn't make it non-biblical. But we have to be discerning. So we got to measure it with the word of God. We have to measure it with an inward witness. That's the unction from the Holy Spirit. God put a knowing in you. He, he gave you a red light, green light, yellow light indicator on the inside of you. And, and it's going to be lined up with your peace. And so if you see something... And it, it kind of makes you kind of curious. You can proceed with caution with a little bit of a yellow light. You can kind of think, hmm. Sometimes you'll see something and it bears witness and it grabs you and it breaks your heart. And man, I've seen it where someone might minister to someone and give them a word and they just start bawling. It hits them and something inside of me just starts quivering and shaking like, man, I feel the Lord in that. And, and it's my inward witness. I've also had the moments where I'm thinking, eh, 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 you know, and I got to take a little bit like this. Got my head on a swivel. I'm just teaching you what the scriptures say. It doesn't say just embrace everything. It says test it with the word of God, with your knower on the inside of you. I mean, is that, what, what's, what's, what's going on inside of you? How, how is that being perceived? And, and just because you might be a little cautious doesn't mean it's not from God. It just means that you have to, Proceed with caution. That's where a lot of people are at. You know how else you can measure truth? Is you can measure it in community, in relationship with one another. Uh, I mean, you, you, can, you can discuss it with people. In the multitude of counsel, there's wisdom. I like what Colossians, or 1 Corinthians 14 says. It says, let prophets prophesy and let two or three others judge. So you, you have maybe a uh, consensus that's formed. You have a group of people. That's a place of safety where you can have discussion upon that. Talk about it. Like people who are in your circles and, 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 and truth gets revealed. I mean, that's, that's how you can know. If you've got people, you can dialogue about it. Then, then you can discern things properly. And by the way, relationships do help keep your feet on the ground. You know, they help you kind of stay in a place of steadiness. And someone can warn you. And I'm grateful for community. I'm grateful for the community I have because I, I have men on my board and elders who are not yes men. Praise God for that. They can not always, you know, they can tell you the truth. You have to measure things, measure manifestations, measure, measure the moving of the Spirit with things like over time. 
You know, if you got a word from somebody and they put a date on it and the date did not come to pass, well, then guess what? They missed it. On the other hand, God is not limited to the here and now. He sees decades and centuries ahead of you. And so if he gave you a word and it really was from him, you may have to be prepared to fight the good fight of faith through something. It may take days and years of you trusting and believing God for it to come to pass. So it will prove itself over time. It will run its course. I'm just trying to help you measure manifestations. I mean, if we're going to test it, you know, we can look at Scripture. We can check it by our witness in relationship with other, over time. And you can measure it by the fruit that it's producing. Is it producing fruit? Is there something about it that's causing it to grow or is it creating problems? You know, one of the problems that we had recently, I'd say, in, uh, in the previous decade had to do with the grace message. And it was like it was being so emphasized, you could call it almost like a hyper grace thing, where people really were saying, I don't have to read my Bible because of grace. I don't have to go to church because I'm in the grace of God. And, and they just took grace as this license to kind of do whatever they wanted and guess what? I, it's not enhancing your spiritual walk. That's fruit that's taking you in the wrong direction. It's really not producing something. On the other hand, I've had moments and places and times with God where it has lit a fire in me that has caused me to press forward and want to know him and convicted me of sin and inspired me to want to live righteously because, because God spoke to me through something, through a man of God, through, through a manifestation that happened. It, it led me to live more holy. See, what kind of fruit is it producing? You know, if you want to find balance, there's two ways to quench the moving of God's Spirit, if, you, if you're worried about it. The first way you quench the Holy Spirit is by saying nothing is of God, and I'm not going to even look at it, because I know people like that. And the other way you quench it is by not testing it and just embracing everything, like it's all happening. And somewhere in the middle, if your heart is right, that is where discernment operates. It's in that place of equilibrium. It's in that place of examination. That's how these things work. Now, principle number four here about perceiving things is verse 22. And I, th I thought this was interesting. And the commentators I read agreed generally that it's not placed here arbitrarily, but it is in context. So after he says, you know, don't quench the spirit, test the spirit, then he says, abstain from every form of evil. Speaking here about sinful behavior. So what we could say in this is that sin extinguishes your discernment. Sin will stifle your ability to really see and properly perceive what is taking place. It's like sin warps a perspective. And in the Bible, it's interesting that sinfulness is likened to blindness, like a spiritual blindness, that when you stay in a state of sin, the Scripture says your, your, your conscience becomes calloused so that you can no longer perceive. It, it, it's like you, um, you no longer have a sense that sin or, or right or wrong. <laughs> and it's interesting, he said, don't quench the Spirit. When we talk about quenching the Spirit, you know, you could do that also with sin. Sin will stop God from actively moving in your life. Now, this is what I've noticed about people. I have noticed that when people kind of get too comfortable, too cozy in sinful living, it's like their discernment becomes sketchy. They're not quite able to properly see things. It's what happened to Lot 
when he went to Sodom. Genesis 13 is one of the more ominous verses of the Bible when it says Lot pinched his tent towards Sodom. And in getting close to Sodom, you could just kind of see the spiritual degradation and the discernment in Lot's life. You know, it seems like Sodom is a lot like the times that we're living in right now. It seems a lot like our society. You know that Ezekiel the prophet said that the sins of Sodom were pride. He said that they didn't strengthen the poor, that they were lazy, and they were overeating. That's what he said about Sodom. But we also know that the sins of Sodom were, you know, sexual immorality running rampantly, right? Yeah. What's fascinating about this verse and this word abstain, he talked about abstaining from every form of evil. This word is used twice in in this Greek word, and it's used here in 1 Thessalonians 4, the previous chapter, verse 3, when he said, abstain from sexual immorality. And it's also used in that context in Acts 15 and verse 29 at the Jerusalem Council when they were debating on, you know, how are Gentiles going to be brought into the Christian faith? And, and they said, you should abstain from things strangled, from blood, and from sexual immorality. And, you know, it's funny, in this culture, it's like, you got all kinds of people who love God, they go to church, but they won't even bat an eye about sexual immorality. And it's kind of like being the frog in the frying pan. The water's getting hotter, people don't know, and then we start embracing things, people living together, sleeping with people they're not married to, and, and it's like, you know, that, that, like, it's just normal in society. And so we look it off, but discernment says, no, this is what the scriptures say. And, and if you see truth, you'll see it's sin. It same thing happens to people when they get in the military. I had to laugh because my friend Jaron, he runs the sound booth. He's not here today. He's a great job. Jaron was telling me he had the hardest time stopping swearing because everybody in the military is constantly swearing at him. <laughs> you get in the culture and it just starts getting normal and, and suddenly it's like you're not properly seeing right from wrong. I mean, you're just kind of caught up with it. It happens at jobs when people go out drinking after work and before you know it, you end up you know, too, having too many drinks and kissing the waitress on the way home. <laughs> hey, you know what else that happens? Happens in churches. You get certain cultures or certain things taking place. Before you know it, it it's like you're kind of caught up in an environment. This is such an interesting verse. I, I did a lot of research on it. Abstain from every form of evil. And here's what it appears. It appears that evil can manifest even in spiritual gifts. Because remember, the gifts are perfect. It's the people that aren't perfect. Let me give you another verse, 1 Timothy 5, verse 22. I, I should have had it up on the screen. 1 Timothy 5, 22. It says, Paul, Paul wrote there, he said, uh, lay hands on no man suddenly. Don't share in other people's sins. Keep yourself pure. Lay hands on no man suddenly. Don't share in other people's sins. Keep yourself pure. You know, I had a, I had a moment a couple years ago. Well, actually, it was when we first started the church. There was a guy in town who'd started a prayer house. And, you know, one of my, <laughs> let me say it like this. I have lots of flaws. I have some great strengths. But one of my flaws sometimes is I tend to be naive with people. I want to believe the best of people. I so love people. I want to partner with them. I want to encourage them. So he had started a house of prayer. And I felt like, you know, I want to befriend. I want to support. I want to encourage. So I actually had a, an offering that I was going to bring down to his ministry. And I was telling my board members about it. I was, I was telling my elders, hey, I'm going to go and, and do this. And they were very hesitant. And I'll never forget, I got a phone call on the way over in the parking lot. Like, this is not 
And one of them said, I just don't think you should do that. I don't have a good feeling about it. I, I, I feel like this is not a good seed, something we should not sow into. And I got up to the door and I thought, okay, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just let it go. I'll, I'll listen to what they said there. And I got in the car, I drove off, and we found out a little while later, like a few months later, that the man actually was caught in all kinds of sin. He'd been having multiple affairs on his wife. And, and I mean, things were really spiraling. In fact, that guy is in prison today for embezzling money, lying about stuff, and it turns out he was molesting people at a previous church he was at. But you know, in that environment, it was like manifestations were happening. I mean, prophecy was taking place. And man, I, I found myself in a spot where I wasn't as discerning as I needed to be. I wanted to lay hands on people suddenly. I wanted to just embrace. But you know, when you do that, sometimes you could share in another person's sin. See, the thing about so he said, keep yourself pure. That's 1 Timothy 5.22. Keep yourself pure. Purity. If you have impurities, it will poison your discernment. If things don't stay pure, it's hard to see properly. It's hard to discern something because a little leaven leavens the whole lump. That's what the scriptures teach. And before you know it, you've got just a little bit of impurity and and. The, the, some things gets mixed, and before you know it, the water that was so clean is now murky. But if you're used to it, if you're not discerning, if you're kind of caught up in the flow, that's where you lose a sense of discernment on something. So if you want to be discerning about what's going on, you're going to have to live for God. You're going to have to live soberly. The Bible says flee immorality. It says flee youthful lusts. It says flee the love of money. It says flee idolatry. And you're going to have to pursue holiness and righteousness without which no man will see the Lord. You know, I think the only good thing about Facebook is Facebook Marketplace. Can I get a witness? Because this is a good place to go look and see all kinds of stuff, walk down memory lane, see your old girlfriends if you're interested in that sort of thing. I mean, I had a birthday this last week, and one buddy of mine, he has the same birthday, and it popped up on my feed. So, man, I went to church. It's like he's one of the best-looking people you ever met. And I remember I was looking at it, and it's like, man, he was raised in church, but he is not living for God. Like, he backslid, he got, you know, sadly, he's divorced, and he's living in Alabama, taking pictures with scantily clad women on boats, living the life. And I was thinking to myself, like, man, if I hadn't, if I hadn't made different decisions, that could be me. And I was just thankful for the Lord, because something in me wants to pursue truth and righteousness. And man, I just thought, man, if you could look through the lens of eternity, what would your decisions look like? Would those little moments like that, would they be gratifying? I mean, what is that going to produce in the end? That's why you need spiritual discernment because your life is headed in a direction. If you don't have eyes to see, you could be really short-sighted on some things. So I'm just teaching you know, about principles of discernment. I'm trying to teach you how to evaluate things. Don't be afraid of spiritual manifestations. They can be from God and touch you in powerful ways. On the other hand, you, you got to be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. That's just what the Bible is teaching. I mean, keep, keep your wits about you. Study the scriptures. Grow in your walk with God, and you'll discover truth. If you're growing with God, he will help you get to the right place. Huh. You know what else happened to me when I was at the eye doctor? I'm sitting there with my eye doctor, this poor woman. And she's, you know, clicking through there, and we're talking, and this was just after the election. And uh, so we're talking, and, and she started getting real quiet. 
I couldn't hear her. And, and then she, she looked at me and, and she moved the lens over and then she whispered. Can, can you all hear me when I whisper? She said, I have to talk quietly about this because she said the government has helicopters and the microphones and they're listening to our conversations. <laughs> and my wife and I were like, oh. like, man, I felt, I felt bad. She's totally caught up in conspiracies. Like, no discernment with that. This is a wonderful woman, but man, I mean, like, wow. And I, I feel like, man, that's where a lot of people live. A lot of people live without real discernment in their life. Now, when we talk about discernment, what about you? Maybe you have not been exercising your discernment. And even though there's opportunities, if you're not exercising it, it could be atrophying which means it's just sitting there and getting weak. It doesn't know how to be exercised. Maybe you're out there and you realize, man, I got to do a better job when I see a situation properly discerning, actively exercising it. Or, you know, maybe you're in this situation where you realize, man, I, I'm, I don't know that I have the proper balance. Sometimes people get so comfortable, that's where they become critics. That's what happened to the Pharisees. They sat back and thought, this isn't of God. Nothing is happening rather than moving forward in your relationship with God. And maybe you're sitting here in a moment and you feel like, man, I, I, he's going to always propel you forward like wind in your sails. That's what he does. He's always causing us to grow. He, 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 from glory to glory, from knowledge to knowledge, he's, he wants you to move in a direction. Yeah, or, or you know, maybe, maybe, you, uh, maybe you haven't been examining things like you need to. I know people who just take everything and, and I want to know truth. I want to research it. I want to study it out. There's something about that that's a wonderful thing. Or it could be, you know, you just got some sin issues. You realize, man, I, I'm, I'm caught up in a culture, and that's why I feel no conviction about this, or I can't quite see truth in it because it's like I, I'm adrift in, in what the culture's at. Just because the culture's saying it doesn't mean it's truth. It doesn't mean it's righteous. It doesn't mean it's godly. I mean, it, it often is deceitful and taking you down the wrong path. And I just want to pray that we have discernment, 2020 vision in the spirit. Anyone need discernment? Anyone feel like your discernment could be sharpened this morning? Yeah, put a hand up. I want to pray. If you want discernment to increase and be sharp. Yeah. Lord, ah, I see these hearts and minds. Father, I just pray right now you give us glasses in the spirit. Help us achieve 2020 vision. Help us see exactly what we need to be doing, where we need to grow. Lord, I, I pray for the ability to discern right from wrong, good from evil. God, I pray that we would know the truth. The truth would set us free. I just pray over the people of God this morning. They wouldn't be caught up in lies. They wouldn't be caught up in abominations and deceptions, but they would walk with you and know you. And God, I pray you move us forward. Mm. I pray for people to grow in their relationship with you so that we could see you from a new perspective, a greater perspective, a bigger perspective. Lord, I thank you for your spirit of God in us that's helping us, walking with us. When we don't know what to do, you're there right there with us. And I just thank you for the ability to help us discern in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. You know, I feel a hunger in the hearts of people to want to really know truth and walk with God. I can feel that. I, and, uh, you know, I, <laughs> I was laughing about uh, when I was growing up out there in the country because my sister Amanda and I had been left at home. In those days, there were no cell phones. Anyone remember that that was like? Mom could be gone for days on. We wouldn't even know it. She said she'd be home at four. Yeah, right. 
you know. So we're, uh, Manna decided to bake a cake. You know, the problem with baking things is it requires that proper balance, right? You've got to be discerning on how much flour and sugar and yeast and salt you want to put in something. And my, my sister, I mean, she made some Play-Doh-like cake. And when mom finally came home, I remember Manda said, I made you a cake. And my mom said, oh, wow, wow. So we proceeded to try to, you know, bust it apart and take bites of it. I mean, it was... Like, my sister was like, oh, I, I must have, you know. <laughs> but that, that's what a lot of people do when they blithely assume that they know the recipe without reference to the cook or the cookbook. Because you got to first know God. You have a relationship with him. Accept forgiveness through the cross and the blood of Jesus before you can have the spiritual discernment that will enable you to understand the doctrines and the truths revealed in the Bible. you got to know him. And that allows you to see what's in the kingdom. Because Jesus said that the kingdom is filled with mysteries. And it takes spiritual eyes to perceive them. And the only way you really know the truth is when you know Jesus, who's the author of truth. And maybe this morning you've been cooking your own recipes. And that might be the reason why your life is like a bitter old hard cake. Because you haven't followed the right recipes. You haven't had mixed it with the blood of Jesus and faith in his atoning work. And I don't know who I'm talking to, but maybe that's you this morning. If I could get every head bowed, every eye closed. I just want to give you the opportunity to leave your right way. Mix it with faith in the blood of Jesus. Accept him as your savior. Walk with him. Forgiveness of sin. Amen. Amen. All right. Hey, will you stand up with me this morning? I am so glad you came out to Bethany Church. And I want you to know that we value you. We bless you. We are headed for a great next week uh, of Man, I'm excited, man. My spirit's stirred. We prayed, we fasted. I'm looking forward to what God is saying. Last time we were with Ted, we had a great time. And, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. I feel like there's people here who, it, it, you're questioning some of your discernment and what you had. And I would just exhort you with this. If you look back and you question, man, why did I miss it? How did I miss it? Why did I miss it? The answer to that is found in Philippians 3, when Paul said, forget what's behind and reach for what is ahead. As long as you're trying to grow in your faith with God, God will honor that and he will pull you across the finish line. Amen. Amen. I don't know who I'm talking to. I just want to, I want to encourage someone with that. If you feel like, man, I missed it. God will bring you through. Amen. Amen. If you want prayer, we're here for you. I, I kind of want to go out in the, uh, ho- uh, hob- the lobby and hobnob. So if you want prayer, there'll be people to pray for you. I'm going to go out there. We love you all very much. I'll catch you all next week.